Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to the episode of today. So this episode has is a requested one. It was requested on the Facebook group, and also it's been requested in similar ways, maybe not word for word, but in a few emails as well. So I'm very, very happy to bring this episode to you. Another reason why I think it's such a good episode to bring to everybody is because you can apply what I'm talking about to a lot of relationships. Yes, to be fair, most of what I'm going to talk about will likely be applied to a breakup of a romantic relationship, but this can be applied to anybody that has exited your life, whether they have chosen to exit your life or whether you have made them leave your life or you have stepped away and severed a relationship because it's just not working for you um, or it's you know unhealthy, it's just not right for you, you don't need or want this person in your life anymore. So this is going to talk about someone who was no longer in your life and now they've come back against your will. It's not like you've gone searching for them to come back, they've come back. This could be for family members that you've literally told, look, I'm done, I've done everything I can this relationship's done. It could be for a friend where you've literally maybe potentially had an argument and you said, look, I don't want, I don't want to continue this friendship. Honestly, all the best, but I'm done. And likely for a breakup. I'm actually going to go into, um, I'm going to be covering when someone who has left you comes back. And also when you leave someone and it's done and then they circle back later. And it's more for if you're struggling to keep them out. Like if that's the scenario where you have left somebody, you've broken up with them, they come back and you find it a struggle to keep them out of your life because you might be tempted to go back because they're a really nice person or because even though you know they're not the right person for your long-term future, but you think that on paper that they're great, you have a really good time with them, or you don't like being single, or they're the safe bet that even though you're not in love with them, you think, well, at least my life is easy with this person. Or it could also be with, you know, parents, relatives, friends, and you, and they come back and you're riddled with guilt and you feel like you owe them a relationship. So you kind of have a weak moment and you think, fuck, all right, fine. I feel so guilty. I'll just let them back into my life when you've done all this work to put these blocks up. But it's also going to be, like I said, if someone has dumped you, you're devastated, then you're doing all this work to, you know, change your life and change things up. And then they come strolling back into your life and you're like, fuck, 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 fuck. I, you know, I'm going to cave. I'm, I'm going to go back to them, but I know I shouldn't. That is what I'm covering today. Also, this has got nothing to do with orbital, orbital ghosters, okay? So orbital ghosting is different and I have a podcast on ghosting. So just look up ghosting in my podcast thing and there's a whole podcast that talks about the difference between a ghost and orbital ghoster, et cetera, et cetera. That's more of an emotional like manipulate, manipulative cycle or even potentially for some people emotionally abusive cycle. So that's not what I will be covering today because that's been covered in depth in my ghosting episode. As far as, so yeah, that's the episode. As far as a life update goes, I'm actually pre-recording this while I will be away or about to head away for a trip. So nothing much to update you guys on other than the fact that the merch has been selling so well. I love seeing the photos of the merch of you guys wearing it. You guys look amazing. So thank you so much 
for, yeah, just basically supporting the brand and repping DYFM out there in the world. We've had, obviously, within Australia, which is epic, and then, and like from random parts of Australia, which I love to see. And then, of course, from so many places around the world, which is fucking unbelievable. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Love you guys. All right, we've got a brain fact, we've got the topic of today, and then, of course, we have a listener question, which I lo- I'm loving the listener questions, by the way. Let's get straight into the brain fact. Okay, so the brain fact of today is about EPO as a form of doping. And the reason I decided to do this because I kind of stumbled across some old podcast episodes around the whole Lance Armstrong fucking saga, which I personally find fascinating. I'm weirdly fascinated with true crime, especially when it comes to um, athletes doping, like doping scandals. If you guys haven't listened to the podcast Balco on American Scandal, highly, highly recommend. Unbelievable series. So Balco, B-A-L-C-O, go check it out. Love it. Um, So yeah, I love just that kind of shit. So anything around athletes doping and them being discovered, I just, I find it so interesting. There's also a really good documentary used to be on Netflix and it's no longer on Netflix, but it's called, it's called Screwball. And it's kind of like about doping in baseball. That is also a great documentary. Anyway, let's not get carried away. Let's talk about EPO, which is one of the forms of doping, blood doping that Lance Armstrong and a lot of endurance athletes used at the time and I would imagine still do. Okay, so EPO is short for erythropoietin. Erythro refers to red blood cells and poietin means to make, okay? It's a peptide glycoprotein hormone and it also acts as a growth factor and because of that it helps with endurance and I'll explain kind of how that works. So we naturally within our bodies, produce this EPO, this erythropoietin. It's produced in our kidneys uh, and also in the liver, but not to such a great extent as to what the kidneys produce. Uh, But it can also be produced synthetically via the use of a technology called recombinant DNA technology. I'm not going to go into that. But basically, it's a hormone and it stimulates the production of something called erythrocytes. And these are red blood cells within the bone marrow. And it stimulates this by acting on the cells in the bone marrow called erythroid progenitor cells. It travels through the blood from the kidneys to the bone marrow and it stimulates these immature red blood cells, transforming them into mature red blood cells. Uh, EPO also protects against destruction of existing red blood cells And it regulates red blood cell concentration and hemoglobin concentration within the blood. If someone has an EPO deficiency, then they would likely have anemia. So why is this important, everything I'm telling you? So in order for your cells to function, for all your cells in your body to function, they need oxygen. When you breathe in oxygen, it enters your bloodstream, it binds to hemoglobin in the red blood cells, and then it gets sent to all different areas in your body, therefore oxygenating all your cells. So let's look at the role of red blood cells. Red blood cells are what is responsible for carrying oxygen to your cells by, you know, 
because of oxygen binding to the hemoglobin and then it's able to kind of transport it to all the cells in your body, okay? And when there is oxygen to your cells, your cells are able to continue performing or they're able to perform better than obviously if they had less oxygen or obviously no oxygen. And red blood cells can live for around 120 days. So your body always needs to be producing more and more red blood cells to keep the number of red blood cells stable because they're always, you know, they're constantly being made and also dying off. And the the endogenous, the your self-made production of EPO within the body is pretty consistent and therefore your production of red blood cells maintains its consistency as well. In your body, naturally, when there's low levels of oxygen detected, then there's an increased production of EPO. So your body can detect this and it knows, like I always say, your body's like a fine-tuned machine. It knows how to detect something that's off and then it goes and tries to regulate that thing. That's why a lot of the time when you'll take, you know, some sort of supplement but too much of it, your body's endogenous production of that particular hormone or neurochemical is going to lower because it's noticing that you're supplementing with it. So everything's a bit of a fine line and you never want to overdo any kind of supplement. But in this scenario – the body detects low oxygen, so it increases the production of EPO. Uh, and then when there's sufficient levels of oxygen, EPO production goes down slightly. So it kind of is responding to what's happening in the body. If somebody is in high altitude areas, it's harder to get more oxygen to all the cells in the body. And the risk of hypoxia is there, so that's oxygen deprivation. So then EPO production is stimulated. Those people with kidney failure may also have lower level of producing EPO and that can cause issues with red blood cells and all of that. And they might supplement with synthetic EPO. Uh, what else? EPO also prevents these immature red blood cells called erythrocytes from something called apoptosis. Apoptosis is programmed cell death, which I've done, I'm pretty sure I've done a brain fact about apoptosis before. I can't remember what episodes I'll have to have a think, but it means programmed cell death. It's where the cell, you know, basically kills itself. Um, and EPO stops that from happening unnecessarily. Therefore, if there was no EPO, these blood cells would go ahead and die. So normally in the medical world, EPO is normally used for kidney diseases um, if kidneys aren't secreting EPO or not enough EPO, then it needs to be supplemented in anemia, anemia in cancer patients as well. So there's a lot of medical reasons where someone would need to use EPO synthetically as like a, um, for medical uses. In professional athletes, in doping, the use of EPO is quite common with endurance athletes. Um, if an endurance athlete administers EPO, then that athlete has increased levels of red blood cells. So they're getting more than what they need. They're not, they don't have a kidney disease. They don't, it's not like they're lacking in EPO. Their red blood cell count is, you would think, normal. But they're taking EPO to boost their red blood cell count higher than what it should be. Therefore, increasing oxygen, like increasing oxygen and the oxygen transport around their body and to their cells. And therefore... They have more capacity for endurance performance slash aerobic performance. So that's why it's quite popular. I mean, it, it does have benefits in other sports that are not aerobic as well, but I won't go into that. That's why you see EPO doping quite popular with endurance athletes like cyclists, or I should say endurance cyclists like in the Tour de France and stuff like that and all those scandals that went down. There are side effects. 
of course, like anything, uh, stroke, uh, thrombo, thromboembolism, uh, return of a tumour. If you had a tumour, the likelihood of it returning could go up and myocardial infarction as well. Now, interestingly, the first test for EPO was done at the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games. They were able to detect EPO in the urine, but they were also able to detect, or now they are also able to detect EPO in the blood to see if there's kind of a history of EPO use by seeing kind of like residual traces of EPO um, in the blood, which is not detectable in the urine. Um, But prior to this, blood was not used to test athletes for doping whereas now it is. So good times. That is the brain fact of today, or I should say more, more the pharmacology fact of today. All right, so like I said, I am breaking this episode down into two sections. So I'm going to start with the first scenario where – you have left them. You have severed the ties to the relationship, whether you dumped them, whether you've separated yourself from your family, from a friend, from a friendship group, but mainly let's keep it about individuals to make it a bit more simple how to explain what I'm talking about. But it's you are the one that left. You have made the decision to leave. It was likely not an easy one, but it was the right one for you, what you believe to be the right decision for you. Okay, and you have left. That is the first scenario that I'm talking about. I'm going to go through points about how to view it, what you should be thinking about, what you should be considering regarding if you're going to entertain this as a relationship or a friendship or not, and how you can look at it and what kind of boxes you need to tick off so you can make that call. Then I'm going to explain the other scenario where this person has left you or cut you out of their lives and now they're back. Okay, so let's start with the first one. There's a whole bunch of things to think about, but number one, if you have left this person, you've cut them out of your life, you have to remind yourself why you left in the first place. Because I know a lot of people think, oh, they're back. They're wanting to talk to me. They want to meet up. And for a lot of people, it's this pit in your stomach. And you think, oh God, I really don't want to meet up. But then now they're asking and I don't want to ghost them. I don't want to ignore them. I don't want to this. I don't want to that. Well, firstly, if you've, if you've actively told someone that they're out of your life, any communication they make with you from then onwards, and if you choose not to reply, is not ghosting, just for the record. Ghosting is leaving someone high and dry where they have no fucking idea what happened or what's going on and you've just absolutely like whoop, deleted, deleted yourself from their lives. That's not what you're doing. If you've literally severed ties and said, I am done communicating with you, this is over, or I can't be with you anymore. Yes, we had a great time, but I can't, it's, you know, as if you've communicated that you were done in any way, shape or form that you've communicated it, and then later on they come back and you ignore them, that is not ghosting, okay? And you are in your right to do so. So number one is remind yourself why you left in the first place, because That is what will keep you strong if you still agree with your own decision. If you're like, I left because they treated me like shit repeatedly, repeatedly, right? And I asked them to change. I tried to instill all these things for them to change. I tried begging them. I tried speaking to them nicely. I tried screaming at them. I tried everything and nothing would change. So the only option was for me to leave, okay? Them coming back and showing their good side to you You know, you might have a weak moment where you miss the good bits, but you have to remind yourself, why did I leave in the first place? And do I still agree with that decision? 
okay? Another decision, another reason could be that you just did not love them in that way. You're like, I'd fucking just see you as a mate and you're desperately in love with me. You want marriage, you want kids. And I'm like, skirt, slow down, can't. I don't want that with you. So that's another possibility. So yeah, it might be all exciting that they're back because it was a fun time. But really, do you feel like you're wasting their time and your time by being back with them when you know the reasons why you left in the first place? So that's number one. There was a strong reason back then. Does that reason still exist for you? Number two, you have already left them. Okay, don't let this person stroll on into your life and make you feel guilty for having to leave them again or for having to tell them that you don't want to be in a relationship with them again or you don't want to be friends with them or you don't want to talk to them again. Okay, you've done the hard work, you've left them, you summoned the the courage, you've ended the relationship. Don't let them put you in a position where you feel guilty doing the same fucking thing again. It's not fair, okay, because it's like, a lot of people will come back and say, well, you know, you just never made it clear and I'm this and I'm that. It's like, can't, I've done what I needed to do. Whether it was easy or difficult, in most scenarios, it's going to be very difficult. You have to remind yourself, I've already pulled the plug on this. I don't have to pull the plug twice. I don't have to explain myself twice. I don't have to engage again if I don't want to. You might feel that it would be extremely cathartic for you to go back and give another explanation. And if that's the case and if it serves you, 100% go for it, okay? But keep in mind that you're doing this because you don't want this person in your life. There's a difference between you setting a boundary with someone and maintaining a relationship. Go listen to my episode about setting boundaries. But we're talking about eliminating someone from your life who's trying to come back in. There's a reason why you've eliminated from your life, okay? It was not all rainbows and sunshines likely, okay? So number three, don't get caught up re-explaining what you have already explained. This is where people try to accuse you of not having done enough or make you feel bad for having abandoned them, uh, but they're trying to get you to cave. Don't cave. If they don't understand what you said, That is different to you having not explained yourself. You've already explained what you needed to explain. And sometimes you can't, you're not, you don't have the capacity to explain it. And that is okay too. Sometimes you just have to walk away for your own sake, especially if the relationship is extremely unhealthy. And with a lot of people, and this happens with families a lot and friends and of course partners, but this is very common in families. A lot of people in your family or groups of people within a family, this is very common, they do not see their wrongs at all. And so they're just shocked and horrified that you're leaving and you're selfish and you're this and you're that and they can't believe it and you try and raise it with them and then they're offended and insulted. So it's really difficult to get something across. So you've, you've probably tried and tried and tried, can't get it across, so you've done what you need to do and you're removing yourself from the situation, Okay. Don't get caught up having to re-explain what you've already explained because some people will never admit their wrongs. They will never see it from your side. So you're wasting your breath, okay? Another thing, number four, don't get caught up on assuring that they understand you because like I said, they're not inside your head. So don't think, oh, well, I can walk away when I know that they understand me. 
This is exhausting. And in a lot of toxic scenarios, even if they do understand you, they're going to act like they don't understand you if that means that they can keep the communication lines open. Don't fall for the trap. Don't fucking fall for the trap. Don't don't have to have everyone understand you. Sometimes in life, people are not going to get you. And the quicker you can come to terms with that, the happier you are going to be. Make peace with the fact that many people in your life are not going to get where you're coming from or they're going to pretend that they don't get it. So be it. You've said what you needed to say. Interpret it however the fuck you want and on your merry way. It, It comes to a point where you've tried and tried and tried and tried and now it's done. Don't let them come strolling back into your life to say, oh, but no, I want a better explanation. I still don't get it. You don't have to give that explanation if you feel uncomfortable doing so. Number five, sometimes the cost of getting out of a relationship is that someone is going to think poorly of you. They're going to think something wrong about you. They're going to think that you did something when in reality you didn't and you've denied it. You've said you didn't do it, but they don't believe you. And a lot of people get stuck staying in a relationship because they want to right all these wrongs, all these presumptions about themselves before they leave. Don't do it to yourself, okay? Because that is sometimes the the price you need to pay for your mental health and for your peace of mind and for you to be able to exit out of this relationship that's not healthy for you and for you to be able to grow and develop as a human being. Sometimes you have to walk away in a situation where people think the worst of you, okay? And that is the price to pay for your freedom. And sometimes you just have to do it. Sometimes your family will think that you're a demon and will spread shit about you. Sometimes, Do you know how many people I know who write to me? Well, I don't know personally, but countless, countless, countless emails and it breaks my heart because I love my community so much and you guys are fucking legends, but it breaks my heart at the amount of people that stay in awful situations with their parents or siblings or in-laws and and keep dealing with it because they're like, yeah, but they keep, you know, they're going to say this about me and they're going to say this about me and I get it, it's fucked. And you're trying to control the narrative that is being said about you so you stay and you continue to engage with these people so that way, you know, you have some sort of hold and control over what's being said. Let it go. Let it go because you can't control other people and people are going to say shit. And you know what? It's going to get to a point where the less you're in their lives, there's only so much shit they can say. And all the shit they're saying is going to be old shit. And then people are going to start to realize like, get a grip on reality, get a life. This person's not been in your life for a long time. They've walked away. You need to get over it. And the people that they're gossiping with are probably the people that are just going to agree with them anyway. So you've got to eat that and walk away. And it feels fucking good when you realize, you know what? Do it. Fine, fine. Go and speak shit. I'm off here. The more you distance yourself, the less it's going to affect you. I think people think I'm not going to be able to deal with the fact that all these rumors being spread about me. So I have to stay and right my wrongs. You'll deal with it quite well when you're at a distance. It, you know, it's a speck compared to when you're living in it. So remove yourself. And, and the cost of getting out of that relationship is that someone's going to think poorly of you. And that is okay. Number six, the last one is if you have already cut them out, and you don't want them back in your life under any circumstances, you've made that decision, you are not the devil for not responding. The fact that they didn't listen to you when you said that you didn't want a relationship with them is not your fault. 
They might want to come back. They might not. Okay, whatever. But the fact that they're coming back, that's a decision that they've made and it's a risk that they're taking. When someone approaches – when someone says, I don't want you in my life anymore, goodbye, I'm drawing a line, goodbye. If you then approach that person, it's a risk that you take. You say, well, I know they don't want me in my life, so I'm going to risk being rejected. And that's fine. But they're taking a risk. But it's not your responsibility. Just because someone talks to you or messages you or slides in your DMs, you do not have to respond. They chose to message you. You are now not indebted to them because of that, because of their message or their phone call of them reaching out. You've said what you needed to say. You gave them the explanation the first time. You did what you needed to do. You don't owe them endless explanations at their beck and call. You don't. This is not a relationship anymore. That person is not in your life anymore. So get clear on what your responsibilities are. This is not one of them. And it is okay for you to not respond to them, including someone, including a really kind person, okay? You could have said, this is unhealthy. We cannot talk anymore. I'm fucking you around here. I don't feel the way you feel. And I know for a fact that the only way to move forward is to sever this relationship. I don't want to hurt you, but by being with you, I'm hurting you. It is done, finito, finished, goodbye. And then they come back and you're like, fuck, I feel so bad because they're such a nice person. Even then, you don't have to reply. Sometimes you have to be the asshole in a situation and that will benefit both parties. Okay? So just remind yourself, you are not the devil for not responding. If you've made the call, if you've said it clearly, if you've done it once, you don't have to do it again. Okay, that is the first scenario. Now, I'm just like churning through them because I've got a lot of shit to go through. The second scenario, and this is the one where a lot of people find themselves in, and I'm hoping to equip you with a bit of empowerment to get through this scenario. Scenario number two, they left you. You have done work getting over them. You have grown and now they are back. And let's say that there's two, there's two scenarios in the scenario. One, you're legit over them, but in that case it's not. It's, this, it's a lot easier. And two, you're like, fuck, 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 I actually really liked you and you're pulling on my heartstrings, okay? What do you do? You know, your ex has left, you suffer, and then you do the work, you grind to a better person, and this is really common. This is really common. An ex leaves you, right, or a partner leaves you, you're in the dumps, you're crumbling, you're dying and they look like they're living their best life. Then you fucking pick yourself up, you work on yourself, you build, you grow, you experience, you learn, you become resilient, you become a really great, better version of yourself. And your ex is like, hold on a fucking minute. And they see you thriving and they think, no, nah, I'm not done with that person. I want, I want in, I want to come back. And then they're back. That is such a common scenario. It is beyond a joke. So what do you do? This is what you're going to do. The next few points I'm going to talk about. These are your options. Number one, ask yourself, do I still love them the way I loved them when they left? Is the love just as strong? Am I still desperately in love with him? Because it's really good to identify that because I think a lot of the time you think, oh, fuck, and then you end up thinking and thinking and thinking. You didn't think they'd message you back, so then you kind of put yourself back in the position of your old self and you revisit all those old thoughts. But you think, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's not get carried away. How am I actually going before they message me? 
genuinely? Am I hopeful for my future? Am I hopeful for all these new possibilities? Or am I still fucking madly in love with them? Nothing's changed. I haven't gotten over them in the slightest. I just have to have them. You know, what is it? That's the number one thing. Get clear. Have you made progress or not? Number two, why do you think they are coming back? You know, hopefully they've, when, when they reach out, they will give you some indication as to why. But is it because you've done all these things to make them feel sorry for you and they're reaching out because they feel sorry for you? Because hopefully that's not the case. Is it because they genuinely know they fucked up and made a mistake and they're coming back? And there's nothing wrong with that. I know some couples that have, you know, become very successful, if not more successful, the second time round because one of them's left because, you know, they it was an uneven balance in the relationship, you know. So one left and then they turn around being like, wow, I really threw away something fucking good. And then they come, well, I wouldn't say crawling back, but they come back being like, please give me a second chance. And they've written their wrongs. They, they've become a better person, come back and it's great. Okay. So it's when I'm talking about these points, it's not saying you can never be with them again. It's saying, think about these points. So did they make a mistake and they've done the work and they they want to be a better person for you? Do they feel sorry for you? This is one of the worst ones. Are they lonely? Are they lonely? Never, never go back to someone who's dumped your ass and then they're lonely because they like went off with someone else and that other person dumped them and then they're like, I'm bored and you're a good companion so I'm back. That is a slap in the face. So make sure, are they lonely? They've tried it with someone else, it didn't work or they've gone rejected, you're the safe option. Fuck that. Or... Have they realized they cannot live without you? That they're like, I'm an idiot. What was I doing? I was distracted with this other shit. I've had time to think I can't live without you. So try and understand why do you, I mean, you can't get in the head and this may require a conversation and that's fine. But why do you genuinely think? What's your gut telling you as why they're coming back? And and be okay with being truthful to yourself. Don't Don't lie to yourself and think it's all, you know, rainbows and sunshine and peaches and cream. Number three, really important, short and sweet one. Was the past relationship that you had with this person unhealthy or one-sided? Because if that's the case, then there's a good reason why you absolutely should not be going back, okay? And can people change? Yeah, they can. Of course people can change. But do you think this is the case in this scenario, okay? If it was unhealthy and one-sided, in most cases, you're better off trying your luck with a brand new relationship than going back to what you know is garbage. Okay, so remind yourself of what was done, when it was done, how often, how they spoke to you, how they treated you, were they possessive, were they controlling, was this the case? Because if this is the case and they're not in your life, dodge the bullet, don't go back is all I have to say. Slash, yes, in some scenarios people could change. But if your answer to this, if the question was the relationship unhealthy or one-sided, if the answer is no, then... Their reason for coming back might actually be a really healthy reason and that's fine. Number four, is this person back in my life because I've done all the work on myself and I have kind of upgraded myself as to, you know, the kind of person that I am, what I'm doing, how driven I am, what I'm doing with my life. You know, because a lot of cases an ex leaves, they bounce around with other people, they fuck around, they see that you're happy. Not necessarily, it's not about getting hotter or this or the revet, like fuck that. They see you happy and they think, yep, I'm going to fuck with this. I'm entitled to that person's happiness. I want a bit of that. And then they roll into your life like a decomposed pumpkin and fucking rot everything. Fuck that. 
They've left your life. Why are they watching all your shit? Why are they? No, I'm sorry. No. Number five, a lot of people do all this self-development work as a way of getting their ex to notice that they've done all this work on themselves. They're a better version of themselves, hoping that their ex is going to return. Now, disclaimer, this is not a bad thing if you knew that your ex deserved better and you didn't treat your ex well, so now you've gone on this full thing and they've left you because they were doing more than what you were doing. They were pulling the weight. You were being whatever. You were being a shit cunt. They've left and you think, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. I've just lost the best thing that's ever happened to me. So you do all this work on yourself and then you say, hey, give me one more chance. I've done all this work and then they come rolling into your life again. Great. That's the disclaimer, okay? But putting that aside, in a lot of cases, a lot of people think, Maybe if I looked like this, my ex would come back to me. So they give themselves a makeover. Maybe if I had this job or if I, you know, dressed like this or hung out here or was more spontaneous or was looked like I had way more fun, my ex would want to come back. So they do all this work. And then initially it's for the ex to notice them. But then it ends up being – you end up doing a lot of self-development work that actually starts – making you feel good. You know, you start the, the intention initially is probably not for the right reasons, but then it's starting to make you feel really, really good. Then your ex comes rolling back into your life. Don't get wrapped up in the fact that they've come rolling back. Put your focus back on the work that you have done and think, wait a minute, I know that my intention was to do all of this stuff to get my ex back, but is that truly what I need now? Because now I've leveled up. Now I'm a better version of myself. Do I actually want this person in my life? Have they leveled up too? Are they worthy of this new version of me where I've done all this work on myself, where I'm trying to be a better person? Are they now worthy of this? The answer might be yes if they're a legend. And in a lot of cases, the answer might be no. Because you're now likely, after being dumped, heartbroken, whatever, you've done the work, you've been resilient, now you're coming at the other end, better for it, stronger, you're a better version of yourself, you're more driven, have more awareness, you've learned more, you're happier, you're healthier. Don't let them now come in and fuck this up. No one has the right to do that to you. You know, don't Look at the past through rose-colored lenses and think, oh, but it was so good. Remember everything. Look, if you're going to look at the past, look at the good and the bad. Remind yourself of, yeah, okay, the good times, but remind yourself of the shit times. Remind yourself of why it broke down. You have to be realistic with why things didn't work in your past. So that way you're able to make better decisions. Don't be biased, okay? Let yourself make a very well-informed decision. So don't let them stroll into your life and say, oh, all these things are going really well for you. How about I bring my toxic ass back into your life? Don't let someone fuck it up for you and make you regress and go back to someone that suited you in the past. If they were suited to the old version of you, then it's very likely that they're no longer going to be suited to the new version of you. Make that clear. Number six. If someone has left you, if someone has cut you out of their life, they don't want to be with you, whatever, and now they're swooping back to chat or to be friends or to fucking hang out, you do not have to be the, quote, civil one and talk to them. They made that call to cut you out and good on them, okay? But they made the call and they actively chose to eject you from their life. And the reasons might have been legitimate 
and that is to be respected and not be angry about. But or they might have been an asshole and just absolutely ghosted you and treated you like shit. Regardless, they made a decision, okay? But they can't have their cake and eat it too. They can't waltz on into your life acting like they're entitled to a response or an answer or, really annoyingly, a friendship. Often, when you ignore someone who wronged you, they'll try and emotionally manipulate you by saying something like, oh, I didn't know you were still so affected or, oh, you must still be really hurting uh, if, you know, if you don't even want a friendship. No. You're going to give them nothing. You give them fucking nothing. That is a way of getting you to bite the bait. They want you in their life on their terms. Bullshit. You're going to have people in your life on your terms. So when people try and make you feel like, you know, like you need to be the bigger person by communicating or by, you know, proving that you're not still hurting or offended for what they did, you know, when people try and manipulate you and have access to you by using these tactics of saying, you know, I thought you were over it or I thought that we'd be whatever, run, okay? You can see them coming a mile away like a beacon of failure. Don't fall for the trap. Who cares if they don't think you're being the bigger person? Who cares what they think? They made the call. They ejected you out of their life. Good on them, the control ends there. Their, their choices with how things go moving forward ends there. They relinquished those rights when they cut you out of their life. Now, if you want to communicate, it's up to you. It's not up to them. It's up to you now. If they're reaching out, you can literally not ever respond and you're still in the right. You don't owe them shit. You only communicate if you feel fine and dandy to do so. Number seven, and this is similar to what I was talking about in the last um, scenario, they can think whatever the fuck they want to think. If they think that you're not over them, if they think that you're not the bigger person, if they think that you're scorned, let them. If they like being deluded, let them be deluded. It's not your job to hold their hand and walk them out of their delusion. Leave them there. What's done is done setting the story straight in their head and making them feel like you can be friends. It, that's, not your, that's not your job. Who cares if they accuse you of, you know, not being the mature one or, or you're being immature because we can't talk or you're being immature because you're not going to come out when, the friend, when all our friends are out. So what if they think that? that? That idea and that thought lives only in their mind. Even if they talk about it to other people, that concept exists in their head and that's not a space that you need to be or want to be in. So let them. If I can have a drama-free life where I'm feeling good about myself and I'm growing but there's in the distance an ex of mine that thinks something inaccurate of me, good. Think what you want, cunt. I barely remember what your face looks like. So enjoy. Don't let yourself be manipulated because that is like – it's like, oh, get your ex back 101. Try and make them feel uncomfortable. Try and make them feel like they have to excuse themselves or apologize or pretend to be something that they're not, okay? Just don't fall for it. Do not fall for it. You owe yourself time and effort, not someone that's walked out of your life who is not right for you, okay? Last one, number nine, number eight. Can I learn how to count? Number eight, don't entertain the irrelevant or it will become relevant again. If someone has made themselves irrelevant in your life, and probably for a decent reason, hopefully because it was not a healthy relationship and now they're gone, and you have worked to move past them, 
you don't need them back. You don't have to be umming and ahhing and questioning and thinking, oh, what do I do? Like, do I, do I not? There was some good time. No. Your priority right now is where you are headed, not where you were. And like I said, yes, there are times in your life where it is the right thing, but to get back with your ex, but this often comes down to there was an issue, that issue has clearly been resolved and you both meet in the middle and want to try and work through it again. Okay. Apart from that, I want you to think long and hard about letting this person back into your life, including even as a friend. The answer might be like, yep, I've gone through everything you've said, Alexis. I've thought long and hard about it. And yes, they are eligible to be my friend. Phenomenal. I actually love that for you. But in a lot of cases, people are like, I don't know, they want to be my friend, but I just don't want to be around them. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm, I'm feeling better when I'm not with them. Then don't. And you don't have to explain it to anyone. You don't even have to explain it to your friends if you don't know, if you A, don't know how to articulate it or if you're not sure how to explain it or if you don't even want to explain yourself. You don't have to. All you have to say is I would rather not, end of story, to your friends, to this person you don't even need to respond to them. Guys, hopefully that has empowered you to feel better about these decisions as far as you cutting someone out of your life and not feeling bad about you know, them trying to come back in and you don't want them back in. And also, hopefully it makes you feel better about, you know, how to navigate when an ex is trying to get back into your life and you're like, fuck, fuck, do I go back? Do I go back to that old life? Or how to identify, you know, when, when someone's being unhealthy and when you don't, you don't want to borrow it. So that is the topic of today's episode. Um, Please remember to share, to send this to people, all the above. Share it on Instagram, tag me in it. And now we have, to finish off, we have our listener question. All right, the listener question. Hey, Alexis, hope you're doing well. I absolutely love your podcast. It's really helped me understand and deal with anxiety better, which has been a complete lifesaver. However, the question I want to ask you is, can love be a choice? My ex-boyfriend has been doing everything to be a better version of himself in the hopes that I decide to try again and make it work. He says that everything that's not working out is a choice and can be fixed with mutual effort. However, even though he's an amazing person and loves me very much, I can't bring myself or my feelings to love him in the same way. Or are my expectations of love unrealistic? And should I just be choosing a loving, stable, kind person like him? I really appreciate it. And if it makes it on the podcast, please keep this anonymous, of course. Okay. I think that it's really important to understand why it is that you want a partner in the first place. I think a lot of people, if you have the mentality that you absolutely need a partner in your life, then you're more likely to find someone that you think like, yep, okay, they tick all the boxes, they're good on paper, they're kind to me. All right, if I can just lock this person down because I don't know if it's going to come around again and then what? Then I'm fucked. You know, if you look at you being single for an extended period of time because we don't know how long that would be as a bad thing, then you're more likely to have this idea of like, you know what? Uh, you know, I don't have to feel like I'm in love with this person. I can just choose to be with him. Okay. And you're going to value that more. However, I personally would look at it differently. The way I look at my life is that I have love 
in many areas of my life. My partner is not my only source of love, not even close. He is an important source of love in my life and the only romantic source of love. But I, before Tyrone, felt extremely loved and I loved a lot because I invested a lot of my time and energy into other sources of love in my life, of course, like family, friends, etc. So, I personally would never force myself to try and love somebody. You either love somebody or you don't, especially when you've already dated this person. What I think you should give someone a chance with is if you've met someone and it's very early days and you're like, God, they're fucking legend, but I'm just not feeling it yet. I'd probably give it more dates if I felt that way. I would definitely give someone several dates to really see if I could start to – you know, nurture this kind of relationship and start to get some feelings for this person. But if you've already dated this person and you know for a fact that you are absolutely just not feeling it and you your feelings of love to him are just not the same as his, in my personal opinion, I would absolutely not go down that path. And because a lot of people think, oh, I think I need to just do this. And then you also do it for a bit of out of guilt as well, because someone's really kind, they love you so much. You think, fuck, here's someone standing here who adores me. I feel bad. Might as well just be with him because at least, you know, they're they're nice. And then what happens? Then you're with them and then you've got this crippling guilt thinking, well, now I really feel bad leaving them because I know for a fact I don't like them. I knew I didn't like them when I got back with them. And here I am feeling semi-stuck in this situation because I'm going to feel like an absolute asshole to leave them. And what reason will I give them? Because they're going to be so confused. They're going to be like, but you got back with me and you thought it was a good idea. What's changed? You know, and then you're going to be like, well, I fucking lied to myself. So what's changed is that I'm being real to myself now. Don't put yourself in a position where you are going against your what you know is right. You're going against your gut instinct and you're putting yourself in a position where you're making it harder for yourself in the sense that you're delaying the inevitable basically and the inevitable is – you're not going to be with this person because you're not in love with this person and it's probably not the right fit. And you've already told yourself that because you have already broken up in the past. If people break up, of course you can get back together and of course it can be successful. But if one person's not in love, then the chances of that being successful are very, very low. I think you should look at how what being single means to you. And if you put less pressure on yourself as far as how important or how much you need a relationship in your life, then you're less likely to feel like you have to quote unquote settle for somebody just because they're a nice person, if that makes sense. Hopefully that helped you. And if I were you in your position, I would not be entering this relationship with this person. Okay. Because I don't think that you can just choose to fall in love with somebody. I do not believe that that is the case. It's just I don't think that's how it works. I think there needs to be certain many things that align and when those things align, that's when you feel love for a person. And if those things aren't aligning, there's many, many categories that need to align to be in love. And when those things aren't aligning, then you're not in love. And that equals either an acquaintance, a friendship or somebody that you just can't be with, okay? Thank you so much for listening, guys. That is my listener question and advice for the day. Um... I, yeah, that's it. Love you guys so much. And as always, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brains, don't take shit from anyone, and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.